2: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 22nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll hear from the two Democratic candidates facing each other in Tuesday's runoff election for the upcoming Senate race. Then analysis from a professor of politics as voter turnout could be low for the tight races to come. And why the state university presidents say they are managing conservative budgets for the upcoming school year. But first, today is our summer membership drive, and MPB is your statewide network. We hope you'll take ownership by making an investment. If you've never been a member, become a member. If you've been a member in the past but aren't currently, become a member again. And if you're already a member, think about becoming a sustaining member. The options are laid out for you at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition. Who will become the state Democratic Party's chairman or nominee rather for the upcoming Senate race? Republican incumbent Roger Wicker is up for re-election this November, but his opponent is yet to be named. Voters across the state narrowed the list of Democratic hopefuls from 6 to now 2 candidates who will face off on Tuesday. Venture capitalist Howard Sherman won 31.9% of the vote in the June 5th primary. Democratic state representative David Beria of Bay Saint Louis received 31.2 percent. Neither garnered 51 percent to win. Given the tight race expected, we invited the two to talk about their positions on issues making headlines this week.
3: The listeners need to hopefully come to appreciate that I came from nowhere in this primary, zero name recognition, won the first primary, lead the ticket, and I'm here just for my passion for the state. I chose to live in the state 27 years ago with my wife, Sheila Ward. We chose to start Hope Village for Children to keep families together. And I am here for all the right reasons and to show the state there is a different way than what has failed in the past.
2: What would you like your our listeners to know about your opponent?
3: Well, my opponent's running on a on a campaign, apparently, of no new ideas versus mine. You know, I published before the first election my 100-day plan, which is my promise to the state of Mississippi of what I'm going to do in the first 100 days. And on day 101, you will get a report card. My opponent has not come forth with any anything like that. He's simply come forth with saying, my campaign platform is what you don't like, what you should not like about my opponent. I think that's insulting to the state of Mississippi. I think it's insulting to the citizens. I think they saw through it, which is why I won the first election.
2: Let's talk about your thoughts on a couple of issues going on. First of all, immigration and separating parents from children. President Trump has signed an executive order to stop that practice. But is that enough? Does Senate, do the Senate and Congress need to take action? What should happen here?
3: You know, I'm calling you from the office of the Hope Village. I had a meeting here. Seal and I started this 18 years ago, and it all started because there were two little boys, Jimmy and Michael, who were going to be separated. You cannot separate children from their family. They were already pulled from their family because their parents' rights were terminated, and then they were going to separate them from each other. So we have Spent 18 years with a commitment to the community and to the state that that will not happen. So when I read about that that has happened, and I understand that the president has signed an order to stop doing it going forward, as I understand it, they have not addressed the kids, the thousands of kids that are there now. You have thousands of kids that are going into deep trauma. I myself am am the victim of this to some degree. My mother and her mother emigrated to this country in the 30s, and immigration policy at the time prevented her father from coming in, so she came in as an only child, and my grandfather, who I never met, was ultimately killed by the Russians. So it's 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 just not who America is. Regardless of the fact we need to have strong borders and enforce the immigration laws as they, as they exist until we change them, we are the moral compass of the world. And when, when we cede that position to other countries, we lose a lot. We lose America's brand.
2: What about the president's proposed $200 billion worth of tariffs on China?
3: You know, I was an econ major in college, and the minute you jump into the private sector and start artificially, you get exactly what's happening. You get counter moves back. Here in Mississippi, our soybean farmers are going to suffer dramatically because now there'll be tariffs on soybeans, which means our soybeans will be more expensive than other soybeans in the world. It just goes you down. The waterfall effects of what sounds good, oh, we're going to punish China, you have to sit at the table. Solve the problems. If it's if they're th- if they're stealing our patents, we have to address that. If you trigger a gigantic worldwide trade war, we're selling less cars, they're selling less this, we're selling less soybeans. Here in Mississippi, will be harmed greatly.
2: If elected, what do you most want to see addressed as soon as you get to the Senate?
3: Well, you know, as a senator, you're only one of a hundred uh, voices. So the first thing on a, on a national level is you won't find a vote from me that is not in the interest of the state i can show count i can tell you countless times where senator wicker has not voted in favor of the state for one is he supported the family first prevention services act which is really why i jumped into this race it was passed in february and it took money away from kids kids from right here at home village and it added new conditions on children's homes such that there's not a single children's home in the state that satisfies the new conditions When representatives of the homes went to meet him in Washington, he didn't show up for the meeting. He had to meet with staff, and then when he showed up, he said, I'm sorry, y'all, I need my office. That's not okay. So as a senator, I will always be voting centric to Mississippi's interests, and then here in the state, you can lead all kinds of initiatives. That's what my 100-day plan is about, private sector, public sector initiatives. For example, we're working with private sector companies to sponsor bridge and pothole projects. If Taco Bell, and I'm not calling them out for anything, if they want me to go there at 10 o'clock for a couple of tacos, save a bridge. Let me put up a billboard that says, thank you, Taco Bell, for fixing our bridge. We have to do much more than just rely on the government to fix every single problem. That's what my 100-day plan is about.
2: Howard Sherman is seeking the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate in Tuesday's runoff election. Thank you very much for being with us, Howard.
3: I appreciate it. Have a good day.
2: We spoke with Representative David Barria before President Donald Trump signed an executive order reversing a federal policy that separated more than 2,000 children from their families. Representative David Barria.
4: I would like your listeners to know that I am a person who has spent his entire life in Mississippi. Uh, I know Mississippians. I went to public high school at Moss Point. I went to undergraduate at the University of Southern Mississippi where I got a criminal justice degree, and then I went to law school at Ole Miss where I was fortunate to uh, meet my wife, Marcy Fike, who's also a Mississippian. But we have had some tragedies befall us in our lives, and what we decided to do in the wake of those tragedies was to commit ourselves to making Mississippi a better place, not only for our children and our friends and family, but for everybody's family family, and and children and grandchildren in the state of Mississippi. This has been my passion uh, for the last 11 years, and I feel like I am prepared to take this to the next level. And so that's why I'm doing this, simply because I have a passion to make Mississippi a better place. I'm tired of being in 50th place in all of the categories that are important to Mississippians.
2: What would you like our listeners to know about your opponent? Well,
4: I think Mr. Sherman is well-intentioned but he spent precious little time in the state of Mississippi. I think that's important. Uh, I don't think he has a very good understanding of the job uh, that he is seeking. He talks a lot about things that he would do if he were CEO of a company or if he were president of the United States or governor of a state. And I think there's a lack of understanding that if you serve in the United States Senate, that you are one of 100 members. And I have a skill set that I have developed over the last decade in working in the Mississippi legislature. That skill set includes organizing. It includes being patient with issues. Sometimes it takes three or four years to shepherd an issue through the process. You have to work across the aisle. Uh, You have to build friendships. You have to build trust. You have to be able to lead folks. I currently serve as a leader of the Democrats in the House. And I think folks should understand very clearly the contrasts between me and my opponent. Uh, You know, I understand that he has changed his stripes and he's now become a Democrat and and I think that's fine. But folks should understand that I have been here as a Democrat in this state working to help elect other Democrats and to support them in office. Uh, That's why I'm the leader of my Democrat colleagues in the House of Representatives. Uh, So I think that it is critical that voters understand the contrasts between the two of us.
2: I want to get your thoughts on some current issues facing Congress and the Senate. Immigration, separating parents from their children, that's top of mind, that's top of news everywhere in this country. What's your reaction? What should happen there?
4: Well, I'm horrified by the action that the Trump administration has decided to take separating small children, sometimes as young as three and four years old, from their mamas. Uh, You know, nobody in America should condone that kind of what I believe to be immoral action just as a deterrent to keep people from trying to come into our country. Uh, Sure, we have a problem with immigration, and, and certainly Congress should have fixed this problem a long time ago, but you don't use children as bargaining chips with the opposing political party to try to get something done. My understanding is that the law has not changed, that the law has been on the books for quite some time, but that the policy of this administration to start removing children from their families is a new policy that began under General John Kelly when he was the secretary of the Department of um, Homeland Security. Uh, so it is a new policy. No one should make any mistake about that, and, and I think it's terrible, and it should be stopped immediately.
2: The president's proposed two hundred billion dollars worth of tariffs on China.
4: Yeah, I think that's wrongheaded. And, and, you know, this president does a lot of things just for the sake of doing them to shake people up, to make people uh, more concerned and to try to leverage some sort of action that he uh, he doesn't want to get. I put it this way he's trying to go through the back door to do things that we should be going through the front door to do and the tariffs are are one of those things and the tariffs are particularly bad because they negatively impact Mississippi farmers and Mississippi consumers so uh, it's going to have the you know the retaliatory tariffs are coming we know that China is not stupid uh, and China is a very big, big player in the world market they're going to retaliate in the places that hurt the president the most including red states like Mississippi where we have a lot of farmers who will be hurt by these retaliatory tariffs that we know are coming.
2: Final question. If elected, what do you most want to see addressed when you get to the Senate?
4: Well, there are critical issues in Mississippi for which there is no silver bullet, Uh, and I want to address these issues first. And they are, in no particular order, Uh, Full funding of public education so that we can provide our children with uh, an adequate education so that they can be competitive when it's time for them to get out in the world and get a job or compete for jobs or go to college. Uh, We need to improve our health care in this state, and we made a very bad decision in failing to accept tax dollars back to our state to the tune of about 12 to $15 billion, which would have provided a maintenance level of health care for working Mississippians, the working poor, as they've been called, and provide eight to 9,000 high-paying medical sector jobs. And third, it would have helped our small rural hospitals. It's not too late to do that, and that's something I want to work on from Washington. And then uh, finally, infrastructure is a huge issue. And if we don't do something about it nationally, as well as Mississippi, it's going to get out of hand, and the costs are going to continue to spiral out of control. And all of those things really constitute investing in ourselves. So I want to have a conversation with Mississippians about why it is we stopped investing in ourselves and why we prioritized tax cuts for out-of-state corporations instead of funding our schools and instead of fixing our roads and bridges. Uh, To me, that's wrongheaded, and it is one reason why – people have a negative perception of us in Mississippi. We've got to change that. We've got to reverse the brain drain. And the way to do that is to decide that we're going to start investing in ourselves.
2: David Beria is running for the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate. Uh, The winner of this runoff will face incumbent Roger Wicker in the November election. David, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Karen. The runoff election will be held Tuesday, June 26th. Coming up, analysis from a professor of politics as voter turnout could be low for the tight races to come. But first, we are encouraging listeners to begin supporting the station financially during our summer membership drive. And here to tell us more, MPB's Ezra Wall and MPB's Jay White. Take it away.
5: Thank you very much, Karen. It's
1: so good to be here this morning, and really, it's great to have another opportunity, Jay, to go to our members and ask them for their support, which they have never ever denied us. Absolutely, uh, this is a this, this is a, an exciting time because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Karen and I have been here since five this morning, and uh, I figured the best way to put this is the best way that it would resonate with me, and that is that uh, for for the shows that you appreciate. Uh, and I wish people could, and I'm, what I'm trying to do is paint a picture for people to understand just how much everything we do costs. Nothing is free. Of course, you can get MPB over the radio for free, but what we do is very much not free, but, uh, the people who run this place, um, care enough to continue to try to have as much great production like Mississippi edition, um, each and every day, And your support, especially with the state budget continuing year after year to dwindle, and the cost of production continuing to rise, there is a growing gap that every single one of your dollars that you contribute absolutely goes to fill, and it absolutely means so much. Every little bit. So become a member right now by going to mpbonline.org. That's mpbonline.org. If you value the local programs that produce topics that are relevant to you and your neighbors, go to mpbonline.org or call 888-372-GIVE. That's 888-372-4483. Become a member today.
0: If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Tuesday's runoff elections are expected to bring tight races, but officials and researchers fear a low turnout to the polls. Kenneth Townsend is assistant professor of political science and executive director of the Institute for Civic and Professional Engagement at Millsaps College. He tells MPB's Desiree Fraser, turnout for the June 5th primary was low and it's possible fewer voters would show up on Tuesday.
6: I think turnout will probably be even lower in the runoff election. In 2014, we had somewhat unusual circumstances with the hotly contested uh, runoff between McDaniel and Cochran that led to an actual uptick in turnoff, turnout in the runoff. But typically, turnout is a bit lower in primary runoffs like this. So I, I would expect turnout to be probably lower than 10% of registered voters.
5: What do you think candidates are doing as they move into this final runoff?
6: Well, one of the key things that all the candidates have to do is get their most enthusiastic supporters to show up. When you have an election with relatively low turnout, sometimes decisions are made by simply the most enthusiastic supporters on any given side because people who aren't paying as much attention, people who aren't as plugged in, probably aren't going to vote at the end of the day. So you want to make sure that your base gets out.
5: Do you think that's happening?
6: My sense is that that a lot of people aren't paying that close of attention right now at this stage in the runoff. And I think part of that is the result on the Republican side with the third congressional district runoff. A lot of people feel like it's kind of a done deal with guests receiving so much uh, greater of the vote at the first round stage um, and feeling like Hughes is a real long shot at this stage. And And if people don't feel like it's a competitive race, then maybe they might not feel as motivated to show up and let their voice be heard. On the Senate side, the Democratic side for the U.S. Senate seat, I don't think it's a done deal. I think that race is still very much up in the air as to who will be elected or nominated, rather. But I think both of those candidates, Beria and Sherman, are still struggling to get their name out there statewide because it is a statewide race and uh, they've got more ground to cover.
5: Are you surprised that the Democratic runoff is taking place since David Beria has name recognition being a representative in the legislature? And you had Howard Sherman, who is also in California and really isn't as plugged in in Mississippi, or so we thought. Right. I
6: think what we see are a couple of things. One, even if you are active in Mississippi politics, even if you are the leader of the minority party in the House of Representatives in the state, which uh, David Beria is, that doesn't automatically translate into broad statewide name I.D., particularly in places outside of his home region along the coast. And so you've got a lot of people in the state who aren't that familiar with David Beria. And then with someone like Howard Sherman, who has come in, had significant resources. He's got some family connections through his wife, who's from Meridian. And if you are willing to invest some resources and put your name out there in TV ads and radio ads, then you can cover a lot of ground relatively quickly. At the end of the day, neither candidate received more than about, what is it, twenty seven, twenty eight thousand 28,000 votes in the first round. So we're talking about a relatively small number of voters overall.
5: Any final thoughts on the runoff coming up?
6: I'll be looking at turnout. That's going to be key. Um, It seems to me that For Guest, this is his to lose. I would be very surprised, even if Hughes does everything right, I think Guest just has the experience and the connections, that it is going to be really difficult for Hughes to beat out um, Guest in the runoff. On the Democratic side... It is more of a wild card. With Amiria Scott coming out in support of Sherman, initially I was thinking that that would mean that Sherman would almost certainly receive the the nomination in the primary runoff. But then the Legislative Black Caucus has come out to support David Beria. I think that could really go either way. And I think the greater the turnout in that race, the better off Beria probably is. Um, But I'll be watching along with everybody else next Tuesday to see how things shake out. And vote. (laughs) That's right. Vote. That's the thing. Remember to vote. And for voters who are concerned or wondering whether or not they can vote, I guess I should add this. If you voted in one party's primary election a couple of weeks ago, you're not eligible to vote in the other party's primary on June 26th. But if you did not vote at all in the original election a couple of weeks back, you are still eligible to vote in the runoff election in either party.
5: Kenneth Townsend, Associate Professor of Political Science with Millsaps College. We thank you so much for your insight.
6: Thanks, Desiree. Have a good day.
5: Coming up, why the state's university presidents say they're managing conservative budgets
2: for the upcoming school year. But first, Jay White is here to tell you about our summer membership drive working to get 200 new members.
1: That's right, Karen. Uh, we're asking folks to pledge their support during this summer uh, membership drive. We're looking for 200 new members. So if you've never pledged your support to MPB Radio before, now is the time when you can get involved. The way to do it is go to mpbonline.org, or you could call one 888 uh hang on. Let me see. Let me get the sheet here. Oh, sorry. I tried to do it off of memory and I couldn't remember it. One eight 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 three seven two give. One eight 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 three seven two Four four eight three. We need two hundred people to to pledge their support today. We would love you to become a sustaining member of MPB Radio, and when you do that for as little as ten dollars a month, you will be sus- sustaining MPB Radio and helping keep the the, the programs that you hear each a, each day, like Mississippi Edition, Morning Edition, All Things Considered, and those things are not cheap. Uh, uh, Morning Edition and All Things Considered combined a quarter of a million dollars and so every single dollar counts and we need new members this morning mpbonline.org podcasts of your favorite mpb think radio programs are available now with any podcast app you can search subscribe and never miss a second of mpb think radio
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's eight public universities are looking ahead to the upcoming school year and the 2020 legislative session. MPB's Ashley Norwood reports on their approved budgets
0: and proposed funding requests. Mississippi's public universities say they are managing their dollars and cents going into the 2019 school year. The state's Institutions of Higher Learning board members met this week to hear budget proposals from each of the eight universities. The trustees approved an overall education and general budget of a little more than a billion dollars. IHL Commissioner Glenn Boyce says budgets at most schools increased slightly.
1: Mostly for some personnel costs. Then some of the budgets, a few schools uh, were down uh, and requested a little bit lower budget. In particular, uh, Jackson State, uh, as they tried to bring their budget in line.
0: Jackson State University President William Bynum says over the last year, his administration has had to make tough decisions. The university's cash reserves dropped by 89 percent between fiscal year 2012 and 2016 under then-President Carolyn Myers, who resigned in 2016.
4: We've been very conservative in terms of how we've budgeted. However, there are some good indicators that, again, things are going to be on the road. We've been able to get out of some contracts uh, that was draining some cash. We've been able to see some indicators uh, that our enrollment will be headed back up.
0: Board members also agreed to request an $89 million funding increase from legislative Boyd says he believes the extra funds could help schools remain competitive. The university's funding requests will be reviewed and voted on in the 2020 legislative session. Ashley Norwood, MPB News. In other news, the Mississippi
2: State University Bulldogs baseball team continues to dominate in the 2018 College World Series. They opened with a win over the University of Washington Huskies in the program's 10th appearance to the World Series.